This is, to me, the biggest challenge facing cities right now, uh, at least in Ontario, probably across the country, is how do you keep up on the infrastructure investments uh, to, to support the rate of growth that, that we think we're going to see over the next 10 to 15 years. Everyone, thank you for joining us today. We have a very special guest. I'm honored to have Councillor Glenn Gower of the City of Ottawa on the podcast. Councillor Gower, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Matteo. I've, I've been listening to your podcast uh, for a little bit now and uh, really, really enjoying what you're doing with it. So it's good to be here. That's very good. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so Councillor Gower, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, I'm I'm from Ottawa originally. I grew up in Nepean back uh, back in the 1980s and 1990s in elementary school and, and high school and uh, went to Carleton University. I have a Bachelor of Journalism from Carleton U. And um, I guess, a, you know, a, a number of steps along the way before arriving at City Hall. I worked for the Ottawa 67s and the Ottawa Senators doing uh, marketing and uh, entertainment and video production and so on. Um, and then uh, I guess I moved to Stittsville in 2009 and started to get involved with community associations as a community volunteer and uh, launched a website called stittsvillecentral.ca, which was kind of a, a part-time citizen journalism effort covering the community. And uh, one thing kind of led to the other. And back in 2018, people started to say, you know, you should consider running for city council. We think you'd do a good job. And I guess enough people putting that bug in my ear led me to run. So uh, I was fortunate enough to be elected back in 2018 and uh, currently in my second term now on city council here. So uh, five years now, time flies. Oh, wow. Uh, well, big congrats. So 2018, people, well, obviously people saw something in you, uh, about serving the community and you know they, they they suggested that you run for counselor well i think it was uh really that involvement in the community and yeah. and following city hall closely through my uh Central.ca. I've, I've passed that on now to some other community volunteers um i've always had an interest uh, as a community volunteer in the planning and development aspect which is really important out here in Stittsville because it is such a a rapidly growing part of the community. We, we did a stat, my office looked this up a couple of years ago. Um, in 2021, we had more homes either in the development approval stage or under development than there were total homes in Stittsville in 2005. So, so that means like in 2005, there were about there were about 6,000 homes in Stittsville. We have that number just going through the development process now. So it's an incredible uh, rate of growth and lots, lots of change that comes from that. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. So talking about development growth, right? Um, there's a lot of talk about red tape causing delays in the development of housing in Ottawa. Uh, is there too much municipality red, red tape in development? Uh, there's a lot of process and probably, absolutely, yes, there's too much process or there's room for improvement. I kind of hesitate on that word red tape 
<laughs> I saw that. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and there's a lot of attention on this. Maybe, maybe disproportionate. I think municipalities uh, uh, do get scapegoated a bit for this idea of, of too much red tape and process. Um, but but there there are definitely uh, rooms for improvement. There's um, actually of July 1st, the city of Ottawa through our planning process, we have a, a brand new um, timeline. Well, we're under stricter timelines from the province, right? So uh, we have to now under provincial legislation, we have to approve site plan applications within 60 days and zoning bylaw applications within 90 days. Um, up to now, the city has come nowhere close to meeting those numbers. So mm -hmm. the target for the province is now 60 days for site plans. We were 196 days for site plans uh, previously. The target for zoning bylaw is to have an approval within 90 days. We were at nearly double that, 178 days for zoning amendments previously. So we really are being forced by the province to take a very close look at how we're doing these applications and, and coming in with new processes. Uh, we're hiring about 40 new people to help address that. And I think the reason why I hesitated at red tape is we actually, there is a, a good reason that a lot of these processes exist. They may not yes. always be the most efficient, but when you're looking at things like stormwater management, or when you're looking at, at capacity of transportation networks or of you know, your your sewers and pipes, these are really important things that you have to get right. Um, you are approving developments, in some cases, very large subdivisions that are going to be in a community for decades. And it, it does take some time to, to, to do your due diligence and make sure that everything is being done properly. So uh, we have a lot of things that we're working on and we know we need to work on to speed that up, definitely. Um, so there's a, a new process. I think there's more pre-consultation that's going to happen before the the clock starts ticking. So uh, we're interested in, in as councillors watching how that works and making sure that's not uh, not dragging things down. Uh, we've also committed our planning and housing committee that I'm a member of. We're meeting every two weeks the entire year. So wow. we're going to be the only level of government that's not taking a legislative break for five or six weeks in the summer and five or six weeks in the winter. Not only our planning and housing committee, but our city council, we, we do not we cannot afford to lose these application fees if we haven't met our deadlines. So we are, are we are going to have to meet every two weeks throughout the entire year. So uh, big changes for for the city staff and for city council as well. Wow. It seems like you're really committed to this. Well, we have to be. I think uh, uh, I, I ran um, in the election, like every other councillor, um, we are in a housing crisis. Housing is the top priority. There's a lot of different aspects to uh, to housing and to solving our housing crisis, but we are definitely committed. And, and you know, beyond this process change and the timelines, there's a lot of other work that's underway to uh, to try to address uh, the speed of approvals, but also addressing uh, affordability as well. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. So you you mentioned that um, hiring forty new people, right? Uh, and I, I like your word there. Instead of red tape, you, you prefer to use the word process. Um, is there a way the city could involve the private sector in making the process more efficient? Yes, there's a lot of dialogue that's happened back and forth, and I think some really good, uh, some really good ideas besides process or, or you know, efficiencies. 
Um, there are things like community planning permits that I think is going to be a really interesting uh, change in process that we're looking at. Actually, we already have a pilot underway in Canada North in the technology park. So this is where instead of having to go through official plan amendments or zoning amendments or site plans, you'd have a lot that was already predetermined, uh, simplifying that process for applicants who want to build uh, appropriate uh, uh, homes or businesses in Canada North. Um, we have uh, things that we've heard from the industry. One of the big challenges is around stormwater, um, particularly around some uh, uh, downtown conversions. And so is there are there some innovations we can bring around how we um, how we evaluate and and uh, more more permissive in some innovative ideas around stormwater management? Um, I see a lot of issues with the back and forth in legal teams on both sides in the private sector and the public sector. So understanding how we can be um, better integrated in that legal back and forth. Often it seems like it's not not uh, planning, uh, not not urban guidelines or anything, but it's it's just getting at getting into the you know, crossing the T's, dotting the I's of legal agreements that can often slow things down. So, I mean, there's all sorts of areas where we can be working with the private sector and and learning from each other about, uh, you know, how we how we approach this in partnership. Um, you need every every level of government, but also every stakeholder working together to address housing issues right now. Wow. So it sounds like uh, stormwater is, uh, is a major challenge or huge issue. It is. I mean, it's it's not my area of expertise. Okay. I know the um, the geography of Ottawa and the type of soils and type of land that we have um, definitely definitely make it a perhaps a greater concern in Ottawa than it might be in in some uh, in some other municipalities. But uh, especially with um, you know in our area here out in the West End, we've got uh, we've got the Carp River and and uh, there's been over the last twenty years. Uh, uh, quite a bit of work done on Carp River restoration uh, uh, to create, um, I guess, more land that is able to be developed without concerns around stormwater issues. Um, and we've got the changing climate as well and more extreme weather events that uh, bring this to the forefront. Um, and again, I think sometimes um, um, there's some innovation happening and, and sometimes uh, uh, governments or municipalities can lag behind a little bit in, in being... Uh, open to some more innovative techniques and ideas. So uh, it'll be an interesting area over the next few years. Oh, wow. Well, that's uh, that's very good. And obviously you did acknowledge uh, that uh, we have a housing crisis uh, right now. So what's the city of Ottawa doing, uh, or what can the city of, of Ottawa do or doing right now to make housing more affordable? Yeah, this has really come to the forefront so far in this term of council. We're, we're not even a year into it, but uh, uh, it seems like, uh, you know, constantly there's there's focus on this. Um, I think um, the biggest thing we can do is around accelerating um, disposal of city-owned lands for housing, particularly around uh, around transit. But there's uh, there's land all over the city at the municipal level that we have identified and we're continuing to identify and make those available to affordable housing providers. Um, I've been fortunate this turn to be named to the board of OCH, Ottawa Community Housing. And they are a very, very well-run, uh, mature organization. And uh, they're, they're ready to build. And uh, a huge part of that is finding land to build on. 
Um, on top of that, we're being very aggressive at the city with new policies. Um, our vacant unit tax, for example, was introduced last year. That's designed to not only bring in revenue uh, on units that are vacant, but also really encourage property owners who might be sitting on vacant units to uh, to to rent those out or or to sell them to a new owner. You know, get them occupied. Um, we are introducing this year, likely this fall, and Freda Council will have an affordable housing community improvement plan. This is a basically a tax incentive for builders, small and large, who want to include a affordable housing component. Uh, we've talked about streamlining the planning approvals, uh, being more aggressive in transit-oriented zoning. Uh, there's so there's all sorts of things policy-wise uh, that that the city is uh, undertaken to try to address affordability in particular. Okay. So you mentioned um, the auto community housing. So from from the city's perspective, how would you define affordable housing? Oh, that's that's one of the great debates, isn't it? <laughs> because you know CMHC has a definition. The provincial policy statement in Ontario has a definition. Uh, I believe now our official plan with our new official plan, we're aligned to the provincial policy. But I, I think to simplify it, it's saying right now we're looking at at below market rate housing or, or non-profit housing. And what's okay. really interesting to me is over the last couple of years, uh, I think how, how everybody's eyes are opened up as to, um, you know, the kind of income levels right now uh, that, that fall into that category for below market rent. You know, you're, you're talking about people making 80,000, 90,000, a hundred thousand dollars a year, who who fall into a definition of of uh, people who would qualify for for affordable housing. So, uh, you know, with every um, with every month that goes by, I think more and more people are impacted by that. Right? Whether you have um, whether you have uh, young people who might be starting out looking for their first place to rent or to own, and discovering how uh, how challenging that is, or um, uh, new Canadians and the challenges that they're having in finding housing, or even older adults who are downsizing, uh, you know, that this housing crisis touches so many people now in our community. Wow. One of the guests that I had uh, on a previous podcast stated that the government does not have a clear plan after the announcement to dispose some of their real estate assets and that this lack of a clear plan is causing speculation. Uh, what's your take on this? Yeah, I think I heard that episode, and it was in reference to the federal government and their plans, uh, long-term plans for office space, in particular downtown. And uh, I think every every level of government is looking at what land do they have that could be better used for housing. And there's some great examples of where the federal government has uh, has uh, come to the the table. The the Rockcliffe uh, Air Force Base uh, converted into housing with actually there's an OCH project there, the Mickinac project there. Uh, Gladstone Village, a, a large piece of land that was formerly uh, uh, kind of a storage depot between Gladstone and Somerset, uh, just west of Preston, and, and that's all being turned into housing. Um, I was on, uh, in the last few months, uh, there was a public meeting about the future of Confederation Heights, the large complex over at Riverside and Heron. I think it's almost 200 hectares, so there's so many opportunities um, it does feel like government at all levels, and I'll say the city as well, that, you know, maybe moving slower than we would like for sure. Uh, I know on the city side, land near public land near LRT stations, really important that we uh, that we focus on those as, as uh, you know, low hanging fruit, I guess, for 
for affordable housing opportunities. So um, lots of uh, lots of possibilities there with uh, with public uh, public land that could be better used for housing. Wow. So talking about public land, um, is the city of Ottawa always in alignment with uh, NCC's mandate? Uh, I've heard of projects, particularly on the Quebec side, right, uh, where the city and NCC on, on on the Quebec side not being in alignment. Is, is there any, you've, have you experienced any such issues on the Ottawa side? Uh, they're not always aligned, no. The, the NCC has a national mandate, right? So they prioritize long-term planning. They have a responsibility around the stewardship of of nationally significant places, you know, parks and and monuments and buildings and so on. Um, and and they also have a priority for natural conservation. Um, and, and those are all excellent priorities. They don't always align with city priorities or perhaps where Ottawa residents' priorities are. Um, you know, for the city, I think um, housing is the greatest priority and transportation is, is probably a, a, another big priority for the city and for residents. And maybe a good example of that is the um, there's a, an ongoing uh, disagreement right now over a East End transportation corridor known as the Brian Coburn extension. And from a city's perspective, if we can open up that corridor, uh, it's going to make transportation so much easier for thousands of people who live in the East End. In fact, we're, we're at the point where we may have to put a halt to new housing there. And a lot of the dispute is, is around um, just a difference of priorities. And the NCC has a, a very high priority on natural conservation, and that's driving their decisions. And on the city side, we're trying to address housing and we're trying to address transportation and mobility. So uh, hopefully that... Um, that impasse or that disagreement can be resolved soon. But there's examples like that that pop up from time to time uh, all over the city. Oh, so who's going to, who do you think is going to win that disagreement? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish, uh, yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball. And I, I, I wish it, we have to, we have to work in cooperation with all levels of government, right? There's no level of government that can, you know, just be uh myopic and look at their own priorities. I think every level needs to understand where, where the other one's coming from. And I, I know there's a lot of work being done behind the scenes to uh to try to fix uh to try to fix that one and, and get everybody rowing in the same direction. Well I hope this city wins. It's good for housing. Yeah. Well that's very good. So now talking about transportation, uh it seems the LRT is always in the news. Uh, what's the city doing to resolve some of the issues with the LRT, especially that uh, the development of LRT has, uh, is critical to zoning? Well, we're talking here on Tuesday, August the 8th. We're, we're three weeks into a major LRT shutdown. We, we had a partial reopening this morning, which is good news. Um, we have come a long way since uh, where we were at a couple of years ago when we had the derailments. We've come a long way even since the uh, since the inquiry that was held last summer, there is long-term work being done right now to replace all of the wheels to address issues with the axles and bearings that have been the root cause of most of these issues. Um, so, so that work's going to take uh, probably a couple years to complete. But in the meantime, there are a lot of mitigations in place so that the trains can continue to run safely and provide that service to residents. Um, you know, we we need good, reliable transit 
in order to to have a functioning city. We we have a million people right now in Ottawa. We're going to a million and a half people likely in the next 25 years. There's no way the city can run without good transit. Uh, and uh, we need to keep making those investments, but uh, getting transit LRT back up to where it should be, that's uh, that's a starting point. And I hope we can see some more investments to uh, to extend rapid transit, whether it's trains or, or buses even further in the city. Well, well safety is definitely important for transportation. Um, and uh, it's good to hear that, uh, you know, the city is doing something about uh, the challenges with uh, LRT. Well, you know, it's so... There's there's four things a city can do to help residents. I think four responsibilities a city has: okay. so housing, transportation, economy, and health and well-being. Those are the four areas, and transit is something that benefits each of those four areas. Right? If if you can uh, make it easier to get around a city, you can make the cost of housing overall, the cost of living, less for people. Um, the economy, if you can help people get to jobs, transit can help with that. So transit has so many benefits when you're talking about sustainability and cost of living. Um, and, and again, just uh, we've we've talked a little bit already about uh, affordable housing near transit. We've had a really good transit system in Ottawa from a bus perspective since the early 1980s uh, with the transit way. Um, but, but unlike some other cities, our transit way, the station's They've served malls and employment areas, but we've never really focused housing near those stations. So there's a great opportunity through uh, through the new light rail and through the future uh, of the the sort of older legacy bus stations. There's a great opportunity to to focus as a as a place for housing, and uh, and I think the city as I said we're very committed to to making that happen over the next couple of decades. That's a very good point. Uh, now that you mentioned that. Uh, it is true that the focus for the transit has been a major shopping malls, not really towards housing. Yeah, like if you think of a baseline station, that's near where I grew up. And it's, yes, it's near Algonquin College. Excellent. It's near uh, Centerpoint and the theater, and there's a municipal building there. And there's some low-rise residential around there. But, um, you know, th there's so much land that in retrospect, could have been built on many years ago uh, for higher density homes. Um, and, and that's finally starting to happen at, at Baseline and, and at Saint Laurent and, you know, at every other station. Uh, and we're already seeing too, um, you know, LRT to the, the east and to the west is still a couple years before it opens, you know, to Orleans and out to, uh, to Moody. We're already seeing uh, landowners start to develop those lands, but we're also seeing, you know, LRT is supposed to come out in a decade to Canada and Stittsville, and we're already seeing a lot of interest from developers in in the land adjacent to those stations to do some um, to do some higher density and, and affordable housing there too. So that's really encouraging. Okay, so the LRT is going to take a decade for it to come to Stittsville. Well, currently it's officially twenty thirty one. Um, I, I suspect we're a little behind that right now, and, and certainly the issues we've had with the the first stage of LRT hasn't uh, hasn't helped with that. I've also been advancing the idea that you know we don't necessarily have to do train across the whole city; that we could do BRT, bus rapid transit. So, like the more like the traditional transit way that we've had in Ottawa, okay. which we could uh, build at a really a fraction of the price and, and still move thousands of people very, very quickly and efficiently. So I think we need to be looking at both options going forward. 
That's very good. Well, my daughter is seven. She'll be 17 by the time the train gets to Stittsville. Good. Well, I hope it's ready for it. You can already see how it's transforming yes. what our city looks like, right? And, yeah. and we are on the right track. It's taking frustratingly long, but we are going in the right direction. Going in the right direction is definitely important. So we talked about briefly about, uh, well, office and how the government's disposing some of these assets. What can the city do to help or encourage uh, developers to convert uh, office uh, to multifamily? Well, this is uh, this is actually a real area of focus for the city. When you look at uh, priorities and, and strategies to address housing issues, uh, this is something we are really focused on. We're going to have this fall some recommendations from city staff around establishing a, a, a office to residential conversions pilot. So how can we get this done more quickly and efficiently? They're going to develop a specialized team within city staff to help streamline approvals, in particular downtown, where we're seeing a, you know, a real uh, recession economically in downtown Ottawa. Uh, that may likely include um, re reviewing some of the municipal fees, development fees around that. Uh, I think in particular where the units are affordable, that can be justified. And uh, going back to our favorite topic, stormwater, um, stormwater and other engineering challenges that come with building downtown. Those are things that that need to be addressed to help uh, to help speed up and encourage more uh, more conversions in the downtown. Wow, that uh, the, the pilot for putting together that specialized team to look at you know conversion of office uh, to multifamily by the city. That's that's pretty impressive. I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, you know, one of the many, I mentioned, we're hiring more staff, we're changing the processes. So it's one of the many initiatives that it's it's about using, using resources we have, adding resources where we need to, and really doing a rethink on, uh, on how we're addressing some of the priority areas of growth so that it can happen, uh, happen more quickly in the city. Wow. That's very good. And you'd mentioned, you'd mentioned development fees. Uh, should the city reduce development fees to help decrease construction costs uh, for multifamily housing? Yes, to some extent. Um, if certainly if it's for nonprofit housing, I think there's a very good case for that or below market rent housing. Um, the, the challenge, of course, is we, well, we rely on the development fees to pay for the staffing costs to do all of the review and approvals. Uh, we rely on development charges to fund the infrastructure that we need to support growth. And I think this is the, to me, the biggest challenge facing Ottawa and facing cities right now, uh, at least in Ontario, probably across the country, is how do you keep up on the infrastructure investments uh, to, to support the rate of growth that, that we think we're going to see over the next 10 to 15 years? And I think it's also something we need to get right, because the biggest objection that residents in my ward in Stittsville and in across the city have is usually related to infrastructure. Um, you know, the, when we look at comments from residents, we have a number of uh, files right now in our city, and and they're asking, well, you know, what about the uh, what about the road projects or the transit projects that are going to support this growth? Uh, what about a new recreation center? And and I, I completely understand this, right? We are we are you know in Stittsville adding um, you know a thousand people uh, every year to our community. 
um, the the piece of the pie for municipal services and infrastructure keeps getting smaller, right? The the time it takes to uh, uh, or the the spaces available for swimming lessons um, that that pie keeps shrinking for people, and, and people are feeling that. Um, the schools and access to a family doctor, right? There's more and more portables in our our schools, and and uh, kids are having to bus further away to school. Um, it's it's harder and harder to find a family doctor. And so again, this is on every level of government um, to to make sure that the infrastructure, the hard infrastructure, the soft infrastructure is there to support the growth. Now, at the city level, we rely on development fees largely to pay for that. Uh, yes, sure. Um, our only other option is around property taxes. And if you start to raise property taxes, you get into a whole different uh, affordability issue. So that's true. I think overall, there is a need to look at uh, cities and uh, the economics around cities and where cities are getting uh, uh, money from and, and how the province and the federal government are investing in cities as well. So it's a, a big puzzle that uh, we're going to need to figure out, uh, not just Ottawa, but uh, but across Canada in the coming years. Wow, it's definitely, it looks like you have to find a balance. Yeah, it's 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 a balance, you're right. Um, I look at uh, I look at some of the surpluses at the provincial level, right, where they've got uh, billions of dollars and and uh, even a fraction of that coming back to cities for infrastructure, whether it's for transit or you know maybe help us get caught up in some of our some of our uh, transportation, our, our main arterial roads, or uh, um, helping with some of the uh, uh, recreation centers and and so on. I mean, it'd be a huge help to municipalities. And uh, kind of a no-lose, right? If you have uh, other levels of government investing in cities, um, I would think that'd be a pretty popular thing for them to do. Yeah, wow. Uh, that's that's amazing. Uh, you had mentioned portables um, at schools. I noticed more of that. I live in Stitchfield, too, and I noticed more of that uh, when dropping my daughter off to school. And then also swimming lessons. My, my daughter is in swimming, so that's pretty important. No, I didn't know you lived in Stitzville. That's great. Well, <laughs> We'll have to get together for a coffee. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And, and again, like it's, um, you know, I think people move into a suburban neighborhood like Stittsville or Canada, Orleans, Barhaven, wherever it is, and they have a certain idea what the neighborhood should be like. And and I, I think a lot about how we are letting people down and it's a collective we, it's the city, it's the province, it's the federal government. Um, you know, things things move slowly in in government and in planning and in implementation. And we look at timelines of 10 or 15 or 20 years sometimes. Uh, we've got people living here now. And, you know, I know my daughters, uh, one of them is uh, heading to university next year. We moved to Stittsville when she was entering junior kindergarten. <laughs> wow. Certainly there will be a public high school ready for her when she heads into grade nine. Well, you know, neither our oldest or our youngest will be uh will be going to a high school in Stittsville. They're, they bus every morning 20 minutes out to Richmond. And, you know, wow. there's examples like that all over the place. And I I, wow. I, I do think, uh, yeah, it, it is something that I think about a lot. I think we are are letting uh, letting a generation of people uh, down and, and uh, they want to live in healthy, complete neighborhoods. They want to yes. have kids who can walk to school. Um, they want to have uh, good transit that they can rely on. And, and uh, we're, we're so far from getting there right now. It's uh, really difficult. I love your points there. Um, there needs to be a balance, um, even though most developers complain about development fees, but, you know, the city needs those fees, obviously. So when it comes to uh, sustainability, what are some of the city's initiatives around sustainability and building? 
We've had, uh, well, it's a focus as well. Uh, we talk about emergencies and crises. We also have a, we also declared in the last term of council a, a climate uh, emergency or a climate crisis, or it's all kind of semantics, but I mean, it's, it's serious. Um, from a, a building and development point of view, one of the things that's been very, very well received is uh, the Better Homes Loan Program. Uh, this is done in, in conjunction with Enviro Center, where for existing homeowners, they have access to uh, interest-free or very low interest loans to make uh, energy retrofits on their homes. So um, uh, solar panels or higher efficiency uh, furnaces and so on. Uh, so it's been really popular. One, one of the things I learned recently was um, our, our buildings, our homes, our businesses, um, our, our public buildings contribute as much greenhouse gas into the environment as vehicles do, right? So we have to we have to make sure we have a focus on that. Um, we started in the last term of council too about uh, uh, something called high performance development standards. So this is for new homes under construction, raising the bar on the requirements uh, for building more sustainable, more environmentally friendly buildings. I think Toronto is a few years ahead of us on this, and uh, uh, the the Ontario Building Code is sort of slowly catching up. Now, a couple of months ago at City Council, we put a a pause, we, we throttled that program, the high performance development standards a bit uh, until the province comes out with their new uh, regulations expected sometime in the next few weeks. Um, I would have liked to see us continue, you know, being more aggressive and, and keeping that going, but uh, but uh, council decided to, to put the brakes on and be a little more cautious. Um, I think there's concern about how much cost that adds up front to buildings. But if you look at the total cost of ownership and some of the advantages you can have in lowering the cost of uh, heating and cooling, for example, uh, it's a really easy economic argument to make. You, you might be adding, you know, five to 10 percent of a construction cost, but then your your ongoing heating and cooling and, and maintenance can be quite a bit less. And then uh, the other thing on sustainability, I would be remiss if I did not mention uh transit and the uh, significant work we're doing on electrifying the bus route and uh, LRT okay. wow. which takes a lot of diesel buses off the road as well. Uh, we're, we're moving forward on that in, in uh, with a lot of funding and cooperation from other levels of government too. So that's a positive. Wow. That's, that's very good. So you mentioned a program for homeowners. Is there any type of program that the city has similar for um, multifamily owners? Um, for multifamily, not directly uh, from the city, but I know a lot of the funding coming from the federal government, um, for example, with OCH, there's a lot of uh, incentives or funding coming for uh, incentivizing more sustainable new builds, but also for retrofitting older builds. Um, and that's another interesting way of looking at affordability as well, actually. So definitely there's, um, well, at an OCH building, you have tenants and some of the costs of um, of water, heating, cooling, electricity, and so on, some of them are are borne by OCH, but a lot of it is borne by the tenant as well. And it's a different way of looking at affordability and sustainability. If you can build um, if you can build homes and apartments that are more energy efficient, it benefits the the tenant as well uh, because of their lower costs. So um, you know the, it's it's really important not just from an environmental point of view, but from a economic point of view as well. What could the city do to increase uh, travel into the city of Ottawa? 
I, I think a really important one is uh, is the airport, a focus on improving airport connections. We've identified the airport area as a special economic district. There's a few of those in Ottawa. Canada North is one of them from its strategic importance in the economy, but the airport is important as well. Uh, working with the airport to attract more, more flights uh, to make uh, Ottawa a more attractive city for flying in and out of. Um, I think um, uh, one thing that I like when I'm traveling is uh, exploring different neighborhoods. And I think as Ottawa continues to grow and mature, I think some focus on the on unique different neighborhoods across the city uh, can be a, a, a real thing to, to attract travelers. And a couple er other areas, uh, we've got a lot of work underway to promote Ottawa as a music city. Uh, including uh, some some good early work on on building a new midsize music venue, and the other unique thing I think uh, we can we can tap into for Ottawa is our status as a winter city. Um, mm -hmm. In the last few, I'm a cross country skier. In the last few years, there's been a whole network of cross country ski trails. Of course, we have the the Rideau Canal. Sad it didn't open this year, but. Uh, yeah. Rideau Canal is a great asset. The the nearby ski hills and so on. It, it's absolutely beautiful in Ottawa in the winter, and I think that's another another area we could focus on uh, to bring in some more some more tourists and travelers. Well, that's very good. Uh, well, uh, Councillor Gower, it's been great. It's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Uh, thank you for taking time once again. Yeah, it's great to be here. I, I really like what you're doing with this. Um, I think the first episode I heard was with uh, Kelly Rodenizer from from regional group. And uh, I also heard one with Cody Campanelli from uh, Campanelli. A couple of people who, who I, I deal with professionally all the time. And I think it's great to uh, learn a little bit more about their backgrounds and about their challenges and, and humanize the industry a little bit more. So uh, keep it up. Humanize the industry. That's very good. I love that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, a great chat with you. All right. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.